This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and somebody, as somebody shouted. Uh, let's see. Melinda, I'm thinking about Dylan. He's, he's, he's one of my favorite shouters. Tell, I've got to tell Dylan, he's got to have more Sunday nights out of him. Lay down the brush on Sunday night and get in here. I need his shouts. Can somebody give me a shout for Dylan? Thank you. <laughs> and Dylan, you're not watching me tonight because we don't have the phone turned on. <laughs> Hebrews 11:6, And I'm looking at this verse particularly so we go back to verse 5 because we're going to build off of verse 5. But how do you know that Hebrews 11:6 is one of the most famous, especially in our circles, faith verses are the whole Bible. It's, it's one that, you know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time at all, and you're a serious faith Christian, that you can quote Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Talking about God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so, I, I would say for our title, How to Live a Good Christian Life, when you please God, I'd say you're living a good Christian life, wouldn't you? Wow, they are deep in thought tonight. Boy, I'm so glad, I'm so glad we got you hooked. Title of our message is, is how to live a good Christian life. And, you know, I think about, you know, the Bible, Ephesians chapter 5 especially equates, uh, Christian church and Christians to marriage. And so how do you have a good marriage. How do you live a good married life for your husband? Please your wife. That's right. That's a good marriage. And how could a wife have a good marriage? Please her husband. And so how do you have live a good Christian life? Please the one that saved you. <laughs> Amen. So he says, without faith it's possible to please him. But I want you to notice that verse, first word in, chapter, in verse 6 says, but. So, I always like to say this, but is a conjunction, and that connects you to verse 5. So we need to go back to verse 5, and we'll see why the but is there. It says this, by faith, I always circle that, in this because all the way through this chapter, keeps saying by faith, I circle that. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. Now look at this. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And so, then it says, but, and so that's hooked up with what how Enoch lived, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if before his translation it says he pleased him, that must mean that Enoch was a man of faith. Amen. Verse 6 couldn't be there without verse 5. They're all together. And so it says, by faith... By faith. Enoch lived by faith. And so, in this verse right here, for what we're looking at, I just want to get that middle part out of there about him being translated, because we need to see his life when he was still on earth. It says, by faith Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. And I tell you, my life, in this race I'm running, for all my years on earth that I plan on being long years, I want this to be my testimony. If the rapture comes and I never die, then I'll be like Eden. I'll get to go and you will too. But 
If the rapture doesn't come, I live a long time. I want my testimony to be at my funeral. There lies Bernie Samples, a man that pleased God. That was his testimony. He pleased God. Well, how will you be able to know if that could be the testimony of the man laying there? Well, because he lived by faith. How do you know he lived by faith? Well, you see the fruits of faith. You can see faith has fruit. Amen. Faith not only hears the word and speaks the word, but faith acts on the word. How do you know he lived by faith? Well, when he preached the word of God, we could watch his life and he lived the word of God. When he preached about families, we could look at his family and we could see his family. When he preached about healing, we could look at his life and see about healing. When he preached about faithfulness to your church and to Jesus, he was faithful to his church and Jesus. He was faithful to his wife. He was faithful to his children. He trained up his children the way they should go. And then his grandchildren, they were all part of... In other words, the Bible that the man of God preached is what he lived. And it wasn't because he said he lived it, it's because you saw he lived it. Amen. Now think about what James said. James said, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. And you know, there's, 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 a, there's a nice little saying that really is good that people put on Facebook every once in a while. Quoting one of the famous evangelists from, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Said something like this. Said, 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 we always preach the gospel to everyone around us. And sometimes we even use words. And, you know, uh, we might be getting a little tired of using Irma, but when you see that smiley face sitting there, you can't help but look at Irma. She's, she's, she is the face of Walmart because she's the face of Jesus. And, you know, you walk, you walk into Walmart, you meet somebody like Irma, you don't have to wonder, I wonder if they're a church person. You walk in there, you meet her, she's preaching the gospel. Because the love of Jesus is in her. And you know so many other people in her. I look at, I look at all the faces in here that I know. I know that when people come around you on your jobs and places you go, you're preaching the gospel by how you live. And sometimes you even use words. Amen. 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 So anyway, it says, I want to say this again, verse 5. By faith, Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. I'd call that living a good Christian life. That was under the Old Testament, but that. And so, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Enoch, but but it is his lifestyle of faith that inspired the Holy Spirit to use him as the example for one of the most well-known and quoted verses on faith in the Bible. God gave me this early this morning, what I'm teaching tonight, and I never thought about that until he started talking to me like that. There's lots of examples the Lord could have used for verse 6, but Enoch's the one he chose. That's pretty important, isn't it? And so, if Enoch's the one he chose, we should know something about Enoch, but the Bible doesn't say very much about Enoch. All I know the Bible talks about in the book of Jude, it says that one of these days Enoch said that he's going to come back, God's going to come back with ten thousands of his saints to bring judgment on the earth at the end times. And then we'll go to Genesis chapter 5, and these few verses is all I know the Bible tells about Enoch. And so because he said Enoch had this testimony, he pleased God, that faith pleases God, then God kept his life uh, description very, very brief, because he gave us what we need to know about Enoch. Amen? So let's go to Genesis chapter 5, and learn a little bit about his lifestyle. We're going to look at verse 18 to 24, and I'm talking about you and me. You know, I think about 
the people I want to help. I want to help people live a good life for Jesus, to be good witnesses. And you know something that, you know, that this needs to be said? I want to see people stay saved. Man, oh man, oh, I, I tell you what, I get tired of seeing... I don't look at the Facebook stuff a whole lot, but I like to look to see if i got family, grandchildren around the country, and kids around the country that post on Facebook and things, and my church families. I don't want to go on Facebook. Uh, watch what I say. I don't want to go on Facebook and see your naked bodies. Amen. I don't want to go on Facebook and see your dirty jokes. Or your political talks and criticisms. If you're living a good Christian life, I very much am very strong in how I believe politically. Because I want to be able to have somebody govern my country that believes in the Bible. That believes in babies living and not dying. That believes in Christian marriage. That believes in freedom of religion. Not every religion except the Christian religion. When our country was started, it was based upon the Bible and Christian people. And it's got the place now where people think that free religion means every other religion except Christianity. And so my political beliefs are very strong how I believe, but I'm not going to be judged by Jesus about my politics. I'll be judged about my lifestyle. And my politics will reflect my lifestyle. Wow. Man, think about that one. Pastor Dave. That's a heavy Rebbe. <laughs> and so Genesis chapter 5, verse 18 to 24 says this. And this just, just uh, like, like six or seven generations after Adam, after Adam. It says, and all the days of Mahalia were 890 and 5, verse 17. And then Jared lived 160 and two years, and he begat Enoch. And so... What we're looking at, if Enoch's the one that God used to tell us about a testimony that pleased him, about a faith life, then we can see that Enoch started off just like you and just like me, he was begat. In other words, he was conceived and he was born. How many here were conceived in your mother's womb and you were born? Amen. Well, we don't have any aliens. That's good to know. It's not the twilight zone. And, and, and you know... Something just food for thought I was thinking about today. I, 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 I do a lot of thinking a lot of times, just analyzing life. The older you get, I think the more you reflect on life, you look at things. I realize today, and because we're not on the Internet, that I can't say to everybody out there listening, but I can say to you listening that are right here, it doesn't make any difference if you were conceived because your mom had a one-night stand. You're here now. It does. It doesn't make any difference. If you were conceived because your mom and dad had an affair that lasted for six weeks, and then your dad booked, you're here. It doesn't make any difference. You were born into the most wonderful Christian family that could ever be. You were raised in church. You were raised by people that loved Jesus and taught you the values of, of Christianity, morality, everything like that. Today is a new day. No matter how you arrived on this earth... You're here today. And your eternal destination and your success or failure in life all determines on what you do with the gospel. You know, I, th- I think about old Pamela. 
I shouldn't say old, old Pamela, young Pamela. She's my daughter in the faith. So I can talk about Pam. That old family wasn't like old O. Oh, oh, Pamela. Oh, Pam. <laughs> I think about Pam. We've been, we've been here 15 and a half years in California. And I know Pam started coming probably about the first year we were here, somewhere around a year. And she's, basically, I, I remember seeing her, especially on Wednesday nights. I guess maybe the crowds were less or something like that. But I'd see Pam walk and sit right about where Doug is. Sit right there. And Pam looked so out of it in life. I mean, she looked like she was really, really, really... I thought, wow, boy, this woman needs help. And I'm serious, because we all started off somewhere. But I watched Pam, but if you knew all the things Pam's been through, you know why Pam looked like she did when she came in. But Pam, sit under the Word, sit under the Word, sit under the Word, sit under the Word, coming three times a week. I look at where Pam was to where she is. Pam did something with the Word of God. Pam been through so many things. But Pam is living a good Christian life, and she wasn't lucky. She listened to sermons like this week after week after week after week after week after week for years, 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 years. And she's got that whole family turned around to where she is in life. Amen. And so I want to say this again. I don't mean to talk about defacebook. But if you're on deep Facebook so much, nobody cares about your whining. Nobody cares about how you end up. All they want you to do is, is, uh, well, they call that one thing, message me, hun, message me, hun, send them prayers. Well, the kind of prayers those Facebook family sends aren't a whole lot to count on. But Jesus, Jesus knows how you were raised. Jesus knows who your parents were, how they lived, whether they were good parents or not good parents. He knows all that. But the main thing is, Jesus says, you can please me and have a good testimony if you'll live by faith. And so we see that Enoch then started off just like you and just like me. He was begat. And so then it says, verse 19 and then Jared, Enoch's dad, lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And so uh, Enoch had lots lots of brothers and sisters. And all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. And then Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And I want you to remember, the one we're talking about is the one the Holy Spirit used in Hebrews 11.5 to give us that famous verse of verse 6 that Enoch pleased God. And so then so far, all he's done... Is, is, is being born and then live at 65 years old, Medicare time, Social Security. And so then it says at verse 22, and Enoch walked with God. After he begat Methuselah, 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And so Enoch walked with God 300 years after he had his first son and then he had lots of sons and daughters. And so Enoch is like us. He lived. He had kids. And then it says that all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5, and Enoch walked with God. 365 years walked with God, and it was not, for God took him. And so, uh, Enoch was a human being. He was born. 
fathered kids, lived on earth. He died because God translated him to heaven. And so according to Hebrews 11, 5 and 6, the Holy Spirit used Enoch as our example of how to live a good Christian life. Enoch walked with God. Means Enoch was a man that God hung out with. They were friends. You know, I remember when I was on the truck docks and out of the world, I had a lot of people that I knew. And I had a lot of people that I worked with. But I didn't walk with a lot of different people. That means I, I, even as a sinner, I only hung out with people I was comfortable around. I hung out with people we shared common interest. As a Christian, I love everybody, but I don't want to hang out with everybody. I, I'm careful who I hang out with. Some people drain me in a New York minute. Some people fill me up again. Some people... Even preachers like to debate the Bible. I don't debate with anybody. I'm not a Bible debater. You know, if I'm in, if I'm in a certain situation where there's somebody that genuinely, sincerely has questions, and they're not a religious nut, I'll sit and talk with them. I'll discuss the Bible with them. I'll show them things as long as they're teachable and want to learn things. But in other words, what I'm saying is, I walk with people that I want to walk with. And I walk with them because it's a two-way relationship. It's not take, 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 take. It's give and take. We love our fellowship. We love our conversations. We get along really good, et cetera, et cetera. So if Enoch walked with God 365 years, that's quite a testimony. Because God's the one that said in Hebrews 11:5, he had this testimony, please God. And so I thought about Enoch. The only difference between you and me and Enoch's this. He was born, we were born. We lived a life. Some of us married and having kids and things like that, grandkids. And then we die. Enoch did those things, but he didn't die. That's the only difference. He didn't die, he got to fly. And so in our lives, the way I look at this, as I'm talking about what I'm talking about tonight, if Enoch can walk with God 365 years, and then God still say, He pleased me. Then surely we can do it 70 years, or 80 years, or 90 years, or 100 years, or whatever your faith level is for how long you want to be on this planet. Amen. You know, I think about the Bible. The Bible's true. Pastor Dave teaches on the truth of the Bible. The Bible's true. And so he tells us that it pleased God, and then all we can see that Enoch did to please God is he walked with him. I'd say he didn't turn his back on him. He didn't walk away from him and curse him. But he pleased God. And so I want to look at a few Bible facts about what God sees and expects from us if we're going to please him and walk with him. I want to walk with God all the days of my life. I, you know... I, you know, I don't know how other people's pro- thought processes work. I, I have thought processes. And there's a lot of times in my life that I'll just stop and I'll think and I'll reflect. I'll go back to my childhood. I'll look at my progression over the years. I'll see where I used to be, to where I am now, to where I'm going. I'll look at seasons of life. As a matter of fact, last night I was back in a Holland truck. I told Ms. Pastor I had to sleep with last night. I backed into a UPS truck and it wasn't good. 
She woke up this morning and said, how'd you sleep? I said, well, I said, it wasn't too good. I said, man, I backed into UPS truck. Didn't really hurt the truck, but it tore up my mirror. It was on the passenger side, so you can't drive a semi. Your passenger mirror all tore off. It was rough. But I had lots of seasons of life because I've walked with God. That's what I'm talking about. In our seasons of life, we have good seasons and we have bad seasons. But the main thing is we have seasons. And, you know, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter chapter uh, 4 a couple weeks ago that says things that are seen are temporary and subject to change. Back in 2019, 2018, I didn't like that season. I didn't like going through chemotherapy and being sidelined for a whole year. I didn't like my brain being mush because cancer in my blood. And every week, have to go down have people sticking a needle in my arm and <clears throat> put poison in my body that was a poison that could kill me if they didn't know what they was doing, but the poison was the kind of poison that killed cancer because it was killing. I didn't like that. That was a horrible season. Then in 2019, we got to buy a wrench. And that's been a good season. For the last over two years, it's been a seasonal change. It's been a good season. So that's what I'm saying. Enoch's life was like our life. He was born... He lived, he died, he didn't die, he translated. Well, that's where we are in life. And so we need to look at some Bible facts. If we are going to live on the earth as a Christian, why don't we live as a good Christian? I'm going to say it again. Why not live as a good Christian? Why be one of the flakes on Facebook that people look at and say, oh, you can't pay attention to what he says can't pay attention to what she says. Or some of these faces come across Facebook. I see faces of real Christians, and I want to see what they said. I, Leah, I've told you before, I want to tell you again, I love your verses. A lot of you have good verses on man. Your verses are really the ones you put on there right where I'm at all the time. We have Christians that walk with the Holy Spirit, that walk with Jesus, that put good verses on there all the time that are really good, and that's what you want to read. You know, you don't want to read something a hypocrite says. <laughs> I want to say that again. Somebody that you know is a double agent. You don't want to hear what they've got to say. But somebody's living the right stuff you want to, you want to hear. Look at Psalms 25 verse 14. And we're talking about how to live a good Christian life. And I'll tell you what, if this verse doesn't light your fire, your wood's all wet. Psalm 25, verse 14. I'll give you a chance to get there. It's so good to see what the Bible has to say, because that is God talking. The secret of the Lord is with the whole world. The secret of the Lord is with Christians living sexual sin. The secret of the Lord is with non-tithers. The secret of the Lord is with those who voted for a certain political party. Nope. God says the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. His covenant. And you know, well, I'll tell you what, matter of fact, I want you to go ahead and jump over to Psalms 103 and I'll show you some of what that means. But those that fear him, 
to me, that means honor him, respect him. And if you honor him, you're going to do things that please him. You know, I think about the husband-wife marriage again. That if I'm going to, if I'm going to say that, that, uh, in, in a right way that I reverence my wife, not like, like, like reverence for God, but if I'm going to reverence her, that means I'm going to honor her. And I told her this morning, you know, not because it was Valentine's Day, because I tell her all the time. I said, you'll always be the queen of my life. I said, you'll always be the first lady of my church. Amen. You know why? Because I honor her. I respect her. I esteem her. That's what I think about her. So you know what? I dare to say, my wife tells me secrets she won't tell you. And, uh, matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, I remember walked up to her one day when she was getting ready and doing her hair and her pretty makeup and everything like that. And I said, stand still, I want to do something. I walked over, I said, sweet nothing, sweet nothing, sweet nothing. <laughs> Whispers, whisper, sweet nothing's in her ear. I said, I, I said, I heard that was a good thing, so I want to give, give you some sweet nothings today. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, I think about, you know, as you know, people, you know, our young kids, not so much anymore as they're growing up, used to think of so they, they thought, ooh, that's gross, dad kissed mom. Ooh, that's gross. I can't, but you know, as we're getting older, you gotta realize there may, there, 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 there may be snow on the rooftop, but there's still fire in the furnace. That's it. That's <laughs> but what I'm talking about here says that they that fear the Lord, He'll show them His covenant. And so, look at Psalms 103. Verse 7 and verse 8. And we're talking about walking with God. I want God to show me things. You know, I don't, I don't want to just read about the Bible. I want the Bible to come alive in my heart, in my soul, in my thinking. I want the Bible to be real to me. I want the Bible to be more real today than it was yesterday, no matter how many times I read the verses. But Psalms 103, verse 7 and 8, I want you to see this. I want to show you a difference. I mentioned this the other day. He made known his ways unto Moses, his actions unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. So it says he made known his ways unto Moses, his actions unto the children of Israel. And let me tell you what that is, the difference between those two things. He showed Moses how he did things. Israel has got to see it when the things happened. In other words, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got a lot of smart sons in a lot of ways. I got one of them that's a nerd that leads music here. And we don't have to buy computers, Josh builds computers. We did a computer, Josh wants to know what we need in it, and he'll buy the parts and put it together, he'll make it. And so, uh, I see the actions of what computers do. But Josh knows how to make them. Israel got to see what God did. Moses got to go in and watch him how he put it together and did it. And so that's not about walking with God. I know how to get people healed. God has shown me and I walk with him in that to get people healed. I know it broken lives many times why they're broken. Even the people don't tell me. I go back there where Jesus is in my prayer closet, the Holy of Holies, and God shows me. That's why when I preach things like tonight, I always ask him. 
I say, Lord, look at that service. Who's going to be there? What answers do they need for the questions they have? And then sometimes I say, Lord, even if they don't know they have the questions, give them the question before they get there, and then they'll get the answer when they get there. And so what am I saying? When you walk with God, like Psalms 25 said, he'll show them his covenant. If we walk with God, he'll show us things the world doesn't see. He'll show us why things happen. To me, I know that if you're a serious Christian, you know exactly why America's in the shape it's in right now. The world's trying to figure it out and going after symptoms, but we know how to change it. Amen. And so, and so that's the thing about walking with God. He'll show you things, and that's one of the big benefits. Now I want you to look then at verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14. And this is things we've got to know about God. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame. And my center club says he understands our construction. He remembers that we are dust. And so in walking with, with walking with God and knowing Jesus, Jesus has great mercy for us because he knows our imperfections and our flaws. Do you think that Enoch didn't have any character flaws or anything after 365 years? You think he didn't have a bad hair day? You think he didn't have problems sometimes? I mean, living 365 years, how many wives did he go through? Unless they got to live to be old women too, but I don't know. But all those kids he had, you think after living 365 years, all the kids, the great-grandkids, the great-great-grandkids, and all those things, think he didn't have problems to deal with sometimes? It says God knows you. God knows your frame. He knows what ticks you off. He knows what makes you tick. This is what I want to get to tonight and how to live a good Christian life. Don't be a con man or a con woman with God. God already knows you're stupid. Don't think can make you smart. It's the Bible. College can't. College can teach you facts, but college doesn't give you character. Amen. Is that good preaching or what? Amen. The difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge from Jesus about life. And so, he knows what makes us up. And so, uh, he made us so we need to talk to him as our best friend and not try to con him. As I said, Mrs. Pastor tells me her secrets. I tell her my secrets. I tell her what bothers me. I tell her what different things going on that she can pray with me about. I pray with her. If you're walking with God, be honest with him. He says, there's no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. He says, they will deliver you out of temptation. And says, Jesus was at all points tempted, like as we are yet without sin. And so you've got to know it's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted in every way like we were, and he never sinned. Temptation comes from the devil. Temptation comes from your flesh. When you're feeding your flesh more than your spirit, then your flesh and the devil get together. They try to take you back to that old lifestyle. Try to make you do things you don't want to do. Well, that's not a sin when the temptation comes. It only becomes a sin when you cross the line and put it into action. And so, if you're going to walk with God, let him be, well, they say the BFF, your best friend forever. Put on Facebook, God's my BFF. 
We're best friends forever. If I have prayer requests, I'm not going to message you, hon. I'm going to go to my prayer closet, talk to my father, which sees his secret. And my father, which sees his secret, he's going to reward me openly. You're going to see me delivered. You're going to see me healthy. You're going to see my marriage right. You're going to see my children right. Uh, write this down, Amos 3.3, 3, because of time we have to start winding her up because the kiddies are going to be ready to come back in a minute. And Mrs. Mrs. Pastor, my help, please give me the... That, that tells me it's time to slow down. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And, you, you know, I'll just use, use an example... I have friends that are the opposite political persuasion of me. As long as we don't talk about politics, we can be friends. But I'm not going to compromise what I believe because I know I'm right. And they think they're right. But I'm going to stick with the Bible, what I believe is right, and so I can't walk with them. I can know who they are. We can have conversations about lots of things, but not politics. But... Amos 3.3 3 says, could two walk together except they be agreed? Well, God's God. The Bible tells exactly how he believes. And he's not going to change. And so if I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to have to walk in line with what he already said in his word. He says, this is who I am. This is what I believe. Here's what I want you to do with your life. Here's what I don't want you to do. And so if I'm going to walk close with him, where he's going to say, I want to tell you a secret. I say, okay, Jesus, what is it? I want to hear it. But if I'm not walking with him, he's not going to tell me his secret. I want to know secrets from God. Amen. And so uh, we must line our lives up the best we can with his word. James 4.17. And we're just about to close it down, but you've got to see these last couple things. This drives it home. James 4.17. And remember, we can't con God. We don't want to con God. And God, God, when you, when you try to con God, He can't help you till you come clean. I want to say that again. He can't help you till you come clean. James 4.17 Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is what? When you know to do good, and you don't do it as sin. And so I wrote this statement down, and you might want to write this down. God will not hold you accountable for what you don't know to do. But he will hold you accountable for what you do know to do. He won't hold you accountable for what you don't know. That's why we have mercy. But what you do know, you're accountable for. And here's a statement for some of you super judges. You super critics. Because God doesn't hold a believer accountable for what they don't know, this is a good reason to not judge others that haven't grown to your level yet. Amen. You know, uh, there's a lot of things I didn't know was wrong. When I was 28 and a half years old, I got saved. Man, I thought... Any kind of sex was okay, because that's all I knew. I never went to church, never read the Bible. I didn't know everything was, wasn't right. I thought uh, killing babies was okay. You know, I just I thought abortion was fine, because that's I didn't know any better. I didn't know about any of that stuff. There's so many things I knew nothing about. I thought lying was okay. 
as long as it helped me in life. Everything I thought those things. And so if you would have judged me on those things as a baby Christian, you'd have been judging somebody God wasn't holding accountable yet because I didn't know yet. But once I knew, then it was sin. And then that was the time I couldn't violate my conscience. That was the time I knew it was time to get married. That was the time I knew it was time to start tithing. That was the time I knew it was the time to quit lying to my bosses and stealing things off the job. My whole life changed once I knew it to do good. And did it not. Amen? And so I thought about how to live a good Christian life. Don't violate your conscience. If you know it's right, do it. If you know it's wrong, quit doing it. I talk about, uh, there's a man walking with God 365 years. I plan on walking with him up close to 100 years at least. And so I'm going to do what I know to do that I've learned. And the last verse I want to look at is 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. And we're talking about for you and for me. I'm preaching to me, I'm preaching to you. I want to live a good Christian life all the days of my life. And something we've got to remember, there's a difference between being perfect and being a born-again Christian. I'm a born-again Christian, and the one that was perfect and is perfect lives inside of me. My outward man doesn't always live up to the standards that the inward man has. But I purpose, I purpose to every day, every day, every day. It's a new day. It's a new lap around this track. I'm going to run this thing right today. I'm not going to stumble today. I'm going to make it all the way around this track today and live every, every year a day at a time. If you fall, you get back up. You don't stay down there crying, saying, oh, what's the use? First John, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This then is the message which you have heard of him declaring to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk. See the word walk? We talk about walking with God and walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. And so this verse right here, how many know that the Bible calls Satan and his kingdom the dark kingdom, darkness? And says Jesus is the light of the world, and we're the light of the world because of Jesus in us. We're the lights, we're not darkness. And so he says we walk in darkness, we're liars or phonies about our Christian faith. So we're supposed to walk in light. We're in the family of light. God is light. Jesus is light. The word lights up our life. And so we're talking about walking with God. He says, walk in the light. But if we walk in the light, verse 7, as he is in the light, and there it is, walking again, walking in the light. In other words, the best way to say that is walking in what is real from you to you from the Bible. You know, is tithing real to you yet? They'd be a tither. Is laying hands on the sick really you, really you yet? Then lay hands on the sick. Lay hands on yourself. Is turning the other cheek and walking in love and forgiveness real to you? Then turn the other cheek and forgive. You know, what, what is real to you from the Bible? God knows. I want to say it again. He'll hold you accountable, not for what you don't know, but what you do know. He says, walk in the light as His in the light. And then we'll have fellowship one with another. And here's what I love. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will cleanse us from all sin. And so if you're going to be a person that walks with God, 
then you're going to know that if I walk and all I know to do, that if I miss it right now, God says, Jesus is cleansing me as I walk because I'm walking in the light. Quit walking in the light. Then you're slowing up the blood. And you know, when, when, when I first saw this as a Christian years ago, I was still on the truck docks. And I had this one guy that was really gung-ho dock sweeper. And I wasn't a Christian then, but I used to see this guy. And so everybody laughed at him. This guy so much wanted to do his job with so much zeal. We had these big brooms we swept all the dirt and stuff off the dock with. That guy carried one behind him, pushing like that behind him while he was pushing, all the way around, giving a double sweep. And when I saw this first, I thought, wow, Jesus is behind me, cleaning up after me. I'm going through the life, and the messes I make, it says, if I do what I know to do, Jesus will clean up my mess that I don't know about. And so I just want to leave this with you. If you want to live a good Christian life, I'll say it one more time. Obey your conscience. You can trust. If you're born again Christian and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you don't have a dirty conscience. You got a clean conscience because the Holy Spirit's clean. And he's the, he's inside of you speaking through your spirit, your conscience. And even if it's something you don't know about yet and you know in your heart, this is wrong. I got to stop. Then stop. And if you know in your heart, I'm convicted of this. I need to start doing this, beginning this. Then that's the Holy Spirit. You're doing that. As long as you do that, then you're going to please God. You're going to have the testimony that I walked with God. I please God. And the bottom line is, you're going to live a good Christian life. People are going to look at you and they're going to say, well, I want to be just like Jojo. Amen. Amen. And that, that's the way this whole thing works. So anyway, I just want to leave that with you. There's no reason that any of us should be failures in life. We've got Jesus. Says he knows our frame. He knows our construction. He knows, he knows, he knows our stupid stuff. He knows who we are. As long as we keep on improving ourselves with him, he's going to take care of the stupid part of our life. Amen. Amen. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.